This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the TBU Podcast. I am Dustin, and today we have a very special episode. Um, it's something a little bit different than what we've done, but we're going to be trying to do a little bit more of these in the very near future. Um, today, Scott uh, was able to talk with uh, our guest, and our guest was Pat Grimes of Wires Don't Talk, who has a YouTube channel and a website. Uh, the links can be found in the description. But specifically, they're talking about the Batman soundtrack, and as a music producer, Pat Grimes gives his reaction to a variety of the different tracks and the soundtrack as a whole, and Scott walks us through some of that with Pat. So I'm going to throw it over to Scott, and he's going to give you guys a chance to really get some inside depth knowledge from a music producer about the batman soundtrack so scott take it away hi this is scott with the batman universe podcast and today we have a very special episode we are joined or i'm joined with pat grimes of wires don't talk you know he has his website wires don't talk the band.com which you can find a link of for below same with a youtube channel and instagram um pat do you want to tell us about wires don't talk Yes, Scott. First of all, thank you so much for having me today. So my name is Pat. I'm a music producer and just really a silly guy in general who likes to talk music. So I do a lot of reaction videos. I'll explain soundtracks and albums. And I even do like some rankings. And mostly all that stuff is in the nerd culture sphere because that's just ultimately where my brain is at all times. So yeah, yeah, I've been taking a dive into your videos. I watched the Diablo one earlier. Obviously, Today's topic is going to be the Batman soundtrack. Um, you put out a couple of videos for that. But another one that I really liked that you did um, was the Sonic ranking video for um, the 2D games. And that, you know, was had a special place in my heart because I, I think I, I hit me at the right age, the Sonic <laughs> stuff. Particularly um, when you get to Sonic and Knuckles in your video and you talk about the Flying Battery Zone track. Like that was... It's a solid that, one. It, it, really it was, was and still is uh, my jam. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a good amp up song for work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Batman video, you know, you have way more music knowledge than I think most of us at the Batman universe have. You know, you can really, you know, get in there and, you know, kind of deconstruct the music to, you know, lean into you know, what's kind of buried in there and what's layered on top of each other to create, you know, 
basically the feeling and the mood of the entire movie or, you know, games when you're analyzing those too. Um, but if people haven't watched it, you have a video called Music Producer Reacts, the Batman soundtrack, as well as one that's more Kurt Cobain focused. Um, but the Batman soundtrack video I wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, the way you break it down, first off, is great. I really like that you kind of weave you know, as you go through the soundtrack, you weave through the characters and kind of centralize, you know, your talking points based on the characters. Um, you know, one of my favorite tracks that you mentioned is Highway to the Anger Zone, which... Such a fun name. <laughs> yeah, I love, you know, that, you know, you talk about like the horror tones and instruments, you know, and as the notes of the song get louder, you know, you mentioned that the song feels like it's, you know, it's from Penguin's perspective, you know, as Batman is closing in on him and getting closer and closer, you know, as, as chaos increases, um, you know, the question I had for you about that is, you know, do you feel like Penguin had much of a theme in the movie? So he does have a, a theme song technically because there's a song called Penguin of guilt. And I think that's played every time you really see him. The problem is, um, it has Batman's Liet motif in there that dun, 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 dun. It plays that a lot in it. So it's really like more of a penguin. It's more of a Batman theme than it is penguins. Um, I'm glad they put penguin in the movie and the iceberg lounge because it does set up the universe. But also, I don't think he's the star of the, the movie. So you don't get him that much. But um, you do bring up a good point. Like he is, it's from his point of view in, in the car chase scene. And he just, it's not in there at all. Like you hear Batman's theme at all. And you don't really hear Penguin as, as such a character for such an iconic character in the Batman universe. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I was, I was curious about that because, you know, as you know, you're analyzing and, you know, deconstructing that song and talking about like the horror notes and instruments and everything. And, you know, I was wondering, you know, like, you know, is it in here? You know, am I, am I just not hearing it? So no, it's not really. If anything, Batman's more in the Penguins theme when you listen back to it. It's really not as uh, it's interesting that Michael Giacchino went that route because I feel like he's way more character focused when he's writing in this. And I think especially even that whole scene, Highway to the Anger Zone, he is writing to what's going on. And yeah, the Penguins kind of getting, I think, left out. But it's also such an, an intense scene. It's a great song. So you're already so immersed that you're you don't care until afterwards when someone like you know you and I are talking about it. Yeah, when I when that soundtrack dropped, I think I listened to that song over and over and over again while I was driving around because I could just picture it before the movie. You know, before I saw the movie. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was trying to get it early. I don't know. So in my in my uh, video that I talk about, I shared a, a screenshot. I was trying to get it because I was I review like three songs in, in the reaction videos and I was he only released two. He released the Riddler and he released the Batman theme song first. And I was telling my wife, I was like, granted, it's like midnight. My wife's trying to sleep. But I'm like, he didn't release all the Michael Giacchino. Didn't, she goes, email him, email him. Like, why not? Like, this is shut me up. So I did. Um, and the, the tagline, the subject line reads, my wife told me to email you. He never got back to me, sadly. Also, I don't even think he has the rights to share that. But I was trying to get it early. So... <laughs> Um, you know, when, when, you know, in the video, when you're talking about different character themes, you know, one thing I wanted to note is I, you know, loved that you, that you noted, um, Catwoman's very spy movie theme. You know, I've long felt that, you know, Michael Giacchino has, you know, he should have composed the Bond film, you know, especially, you know, after I heard his, uh, score for the Incredibles. Yeah. <clears throat> good point. Definitely. He really, 
I think he just likes the genre too. It seems like. Yeah, it's very it's very retro, very you know sixties, and it's really cool to listen to. And it's nice that it's it's kind of a motif that's, you know, I guess you could say, or that it's present now. You know, it's not something you hear of too much anymore. A lot of like modern film music tends to be more of like a background mood enhancer music, and you know, in this case, I feel like it stands out more in the Batman. Definitely, definitely. And then, of course, you know, for everybody listening, you know, they should check out your video and they should really, you know, get as they watch it and, you know, push through and, you know, see what you've uncovered. Your analysis on the Riddler theme is really interesting. And I really, you know, found that, um, you know, fascinating, you know, especially when you talk about Ave Maria and, you know, the childlike atmosphere of it. Yeah, that was a really tough one, honestly, listening to it. I was like, there are so many, there's riddles, quite literally, there's riddles in it of why did they make these choices? And I think it just really adds to the eeriness of that whole character. So, you know, now that the score is out and Giacchino is like up for more work and, you know, available to work on anything. Do you have a dream project you would like him to score? Oh, yeah. So this is a weird one, I would think. So I would love a sequel to Detective Pikachu and because I'm a big Pokemon fan. And based on what Michael did for Batman, and what I mean by that is he wrote to the characters rather than just the movie. Um, Actually, he's different. And this is why I like him, because the director actually tweeted out this information before that um, he wrote the theme song for Batman without even seeing the movie. They didn't shoot the movie yet. He just had the theme song already done and sent it to the director. And he was like, wow, okay, you already did it. That's amazing. So I think Michael knows Batman. He understands the characters. And I love it if he were to put that same attention into all the Pokemon that we've loved over the years and do something like that in a, in a movie for that. Huh, that'd be, that's, that's a really, that's a really interesting answer because i feel like there's so many characters that you could like kind of go wild like it's a it's an open playing field exactly and it's just whatever pokemon they decide to pick like they did with the first one obviously you're gonna pikachu but who like i can imagine him making a gengar one or like what charizard would be like or dragonite you know it's be uh it'd be interesting i think yeah no definitely and now i feel my my bond (laughs) franchise pick is smaller in scale (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, I'm always in the nerd sphere. I, I love Pokemon and all that stuff too. So I'm I'm always thinking about that. So Or maybe, you know, maybe if they ever go back to a weird um that period in Godzilla films in between like the sixties and seventies where it real got it got really like beachy or I'm trying to think yeah. of the composer's name. Satu, I think, was the one who did uh, what was it? Was it Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla? I think Mechagodzilla was the jazzier one. Yeah, it was just, there was one where it was just felt like a beach blanket bingo type of like yeah. soundtrack. But Those <laughs> were, they just would do whatever they wanted and it always <laughs> came out charming. Um, but jumping back to the Batman, uh, we picked out three songs at a time um, that you haven't analyzed. <clears throat> and I, and the song choices are kind of, you know, we, or I, ordered them from you know earlier in the film to you know the finale so kind of there's a timeline here so the first song you know we're going to talk about today and pick it apart is um can't fight city halloween which i believe is the first 
track on the soundtrack. I could be wrong. First or second. No, that's correct. It's like when he is telling the monologue. It's the opening scene at least. And um, I, this is probably the song I listened to uh, the second most out of the soundtrack. I really like, you know, the mood it sets for Gotham, like as a city and a world that's very, you know, horror themed, you know, and obviously it uses the horror elements to build up the appearance of Batman. And then it's kind of overtaken, you know, by Batman's theme before it, you know, reaches its, you know, crescendo and dies out near the end of the track. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. What I really like it, um, it, it opens with, I believe that's a cello like spiraling the whole time. And that becomes the heart of the song. And it's just that it's not static. It is a lot going on. There's a lot of movement. It brings attention. Like you mentioned that horror element there. Um, it, the sounds come in waves of just like these waves of, of a wall of sound. Um, a lot of violins, they're all tension. And it's interesting that you say that, like it's horror themed, but it's a theme song for a city. So that's not very good for a city, yet that makes total sense for Gotham. And it's it's got howling metallic sounds. Um, what I love about the soundtrack, and I talk about it in the, uh, in the hybrid of the anger zone, is that I don't know how he made some of these sounds. I'm really not sure. And I think that's, he makes it sound uncanny at times. You know what I mean? There's a lot of tension and it's, it's such a great opening for a Batman movie, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the city aspect too, you know, kind of jumping off of what you just said a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things that I was really drawn to, you know, this movie about more than um, maybe the say the Nolan trilogy or even like the Zack Snyder films we had recently you know, it's something that I've been pining for since more of like the Tim Burton days, which is like Gotham City as a character. You yeah. know, and so in this case, you know, obviously visually you get that. But yeah, musically, you know, it's there. Yeah, well, that's I mean, spoken like a true Batman fan. Gotham is he has a relationship with Gotham. He has the same relationship as he does with Alfred or Catwoman. It's a very uh, close thing to his heart. So it really should be treated more as a character. So that's well said. Yeah, the second track, um, you know, I have we have on this list is much different in tone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost like a drastic departure. It's for all your penny worth. Um, and I, I do you want to take point on this, Pat, with your thoughts? Sure. I mean, this one is, I think, one of the only times where the soundtrack is so uplifting and peaceful, which is. I mean, it's an Alfred song, you know, with Penny's worth. And that's exactly what Alfred represents to Bruce. You know, he really is just that one true source of positivity he's always been. And this song's whole mood is angelic. It's light. It's soft. You know, compared to Batman's theme, that's very intense and loud and booming and scary. But what I love about what Michael does to this song is that there's, you know, swells in the song, but there's so many different elements. I literally can't name them all. There were so many different things. The strings are like the big main instrument that make it give it a lot of personality, but also there's like a xylophone in there. It's like playing like really quick notes. And I'm not sure exactly what it might be. Um, They sound kind of like bells in there. Again, I always think of like church and angels when I hear bells and I think I hear a woman's voice. Uh, it's at a very high end. It might be a violin making it sound like that, but it almost sounds just like a very faint woman's voice in there. I mean, the layers in this song are incredible, and it really conveys those feelings that I mentioned earlier, that it's it's a good song to let the listener know that 
right now, Batman or Bruce, he's in this calm state. And we really don't get that often in any Batman uh, scenario. True. And I think I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again, because I think I missed some of those notes. Um, but something, you know, I was thinking about is, you know, throughout the movie, Bruce is kind of, uh, he's basically, he's kind of a jerk to Alfred. Yeah. So, yeah. He's you know, very I wonder, angsty. I, I wonder, you know, like, obviously this is like Alfred's presence in Bruce's life, but, you know, would you say that this song is from Alfred's perspective? I, I, yeah, I think so. I do think so. Cause again, I guess the way that I see Alfred is that peaceful, calming figure in Bruce's life. So when I hear this song, it does make me think of him bringing the tea to Batman when he's on the supercomputer, you know? So I think, uh, like you mentioned, Bruce is very angry this whole movie. I mean, he's just angry all the time. So it's a juxtaposition, I think, to that emotion and how he feels. And again, as as Alfred does, he challenges Bruce too to not always be so angry and not always be in that mood. Well said. Um, The last song was picked because I feel like it incorporates both um, Batman's theme and Alfred's theme. It kind of like, you know, the way I you know, heard it was, it felt like it was uh, like a unity between, you know, both the fear and vigilantism of Batman and Alfred's heart to, you know, ultimately create more of like a whole complete character. Um, and Definitely. that song is all's well that ends farewell. It's one, it's the final theme that, you know, completes the journey of the soundtrack. And, you know, I feel like, in the sense like of the soundtrack as well as the movie, you know, it's that, you know, now Batman's gone through his arc. So he's more whole and, you know, we've moved away from something, a a theme of absolute terror, you know, to a more inspirational Batman, which is kind of what the movie wants you to, or not kind of, which is what the movie wants you to feel and, you know, see at the end of this journey. Yes. Like a hundred times. Yes. And because that's what I thought, like, this song has so many different emotions in it. Um, one is you're feeling victorious. It's uplifting. You know, you hear the strings rising up. It's slower. It's calmer. It's a great song after a, like a big battle, which obviously we get. But I thought at one point in the middle of it, because I think there is that kind of Batman-esque thing, that Alfred thing, but right in the middle, very quickly, it seems to bring in some strings that give a romantical quality to it. It sounds a little romantic. And it makes me think of, Catwoman's relationship too so it it, to me it it incorporates the whole bat family if you will at the end kind of showing how we all kind of of went there um you know it still has those booming strings and adds in some low end it's all very common throughout the whole soundtrack so it stays on theme um but it's a much happier song than the rest of batman's theme that you hear it's kind of a happy version of it um and i think it's like you said it's that shift we witness batman grow up really in this whole movie And it's that idea that, yeah, he's victorious against the Riddler, kind of. It's an interesting conversation. It's complicated, you know. But I think he's more victorious in learning about himself as a hero, his values of vengeance, his value of relationships with Gotham City, with Alfred, with Catwoman. Um, You know, he learned to fall in love. He becomes a better Batman. And I think even more validated by the city of Gotham, how he's helping people at the end. Like you said, he's more of an inspiration now, and he's kind of understanding himself in this role that he's created. It's an incredibly powerful scene. I think Michael's really trying to convey all of these 
these different things that happen in this journey. And it's a great way to really end the movie. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, you know, it's interesting because I feel like some soundtracks you can listen to and, you know, apart from the movie, you know, when you're just listening to them, they can, they can be their own journey, you know, without having the visuals. And I feel like in this case, you know, this is one of those soundtracks that can do that, you know, and I, and like, granted it follows the beats of the movie, you know, as they come. So it's not like it changes the structure, but I think it is something to appreciate and you feel moved by, I guess, if you were just listening to this, you know, I don't know while you're at work. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, Which, you know, now I guess we'll jump to our next topic, you know, which is like, it's a comparison of, you know, this Batman's theme to previous Batman films. And one caveat I'm going to throw out there um, right off the bat is, you know, I was a little selective with this list. So I have three. Um, I have Elfman, Goldenthal, and Zimmer. So, and when I say Hans Zimmer, I mean um, the Dark Knight trilogy and not um, any work with Zack Snyder. And I did leave off um, Nelson Riddle for the 60s Batman. So (laughs) I have apologies in advance for um, anyone who was like, all right, they're going to Compare to this, compare this to Nelson Riddle. I think nothing can compare to that. Yeah, that it's, it's a very different thing. conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do like it though. It is a fun theme, and that whole soundtrack is kind of amusing. But it's very important. It's very important, but it's not, I guess, what you, what people immediately think of when they think of a Batman theme song. True, and and the way I structure this, I have like a theme or or, or a journey or roadmap in my mind of why I put this together the way I did. Um, we'll get to that. So the first, you know, theme we both probably got a refresher on was uh, the Danny Elfman theme from 1989. <clears throat> and I, Pat, do you want to start with your thoughts? Yeah, because my opinion on this one is, I think, more interesting than some of the other ones. It to me, it has a lot of similarities to the the Batman soundtrack. So the one that we just spoke about. Um, I wouldn't doubt that Michael kind of went back and was probably influenced by Danny Elfman here, at least a little bit, because it is such a dramatic song it's so dramatic the instrumentation is loud it's a very very loud song tons of reliance on crash symbols like really listen to it it's the drummer's going nuts in it and i think it's because this was warner brothers first batman movie and it has to hit you right out of the gate right and it's not just talking about batman it is the joker and oh bat and gotham city is gonna be crazy and there's gonna be the batmobile and it's really trying to sell you on how crazy of a, of a movie this is going to be. And, uh, you know, compared to later themes, it's kind of all over the place and not in a bad way, but it's definitely trying to showcase a lot more than just who the Batman is. Um, and I think this is, I think this is a song really that influences Danny Elfman's work in nightmare before Christmas, also with Tim Burton as well. Cause I think like there, when you look at it, that's a very contained theme, you know, it's just showing Jack Skellington's world where in Batman, you're trying to encompass a very large, uh, a very large origin and the villains and their origins and just the chaos that's going to ensue in just the movie itself. So it's definitely a, a pretty interesting uh, title, I think. Good title theme. Yeah, and I honestly, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, when I'm looking at my notes, you know, it's more or less the same thing. You know, picking up on 
you know, this is like the whole movie that they're selling you, you know, <laughs> you're getting the yeah. whole package, but you know, yeah, it's like, it's like, as you said, you know, this is, you know, considering the time this came out, you know, they were, they really had to lure people, you know, into this movie and sell them with something right out of the gate. I would have no doubt that Danny Elfman probably wrote something a bit different first. And then the studio was like, no, we need this to, to be bigger and, and crazier. Um, again, just seeing those two work on different projects later on, it seems like Warner Brothers was like, we're putting a lot of eggs in this basket. Please make sure you do this the right way. Um, the next theme you know, we have is Elliot Goldenthal, um, who I feel like is often forgotten, but music is pretty awesome i would say i do really like it it's i picked the theme from batman forever because a lot of the music in batman forever carried over into batman and robin and i feel like they remixed some tracks between the two films but you know it's in my opinion the flater mouse march music is much simpler um it riffs on 89 in its own way and it still has like the trumpets and fanfare but it's a lot zanier and highlights that lighter tone warner brothers wanted yeah, that's a big thing that that I think this one is a huge emphasis on brass instruments. It's very different than to me what Danny Elfman created. It's very it's big and booming. It really is this crazy thing. Um, also, like the theme has like a lot of jarring notes in it. it. It does have a lot of dissonance and that creates more of that tense sound. We kind of mentioned that earlier with the Batman soundtrack. And I think um, a big reason for that is because it's really focusing on a lot of the villains too. I mean, Batman forever. We have um, the Riddler, we have two face and they're teaming up. Like this is something that we get in comic books. It's very exciting. So I think too, it's trying to show like, Hey, things are going to get really dangerous and, and a little scary. You know, you know, what are these bad guys up to? So I think it's not just trying to convey Batman. It's trying to convey um, the, the villains because even the villains ones, they don't want to just attack Batman. They also want to attack Bruce in this movie. They have a vendetta against Bruce Wayne as well. So it's such a evil sound to it with those dissonance and the brass and just the kind of the loudness that I think it tells you, Hey, um, we're going to have, this movie is going to be a little bit different and it's going to uh, be a little bit more on the villainous side. Which is a huge jump um, from you know, what we see a few years later, you know, with Hans Zimmer yeah, um, with his, his theme for the dark Knight trilogy for the Batman character specifically, you know, which is a much more stripped down, very simple theme with, you know, it has its action moments with a lot of like pulse pounding beats, but you know, is very different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, <clears throat> It's, but you know, the way I look at this, like this journey, if you look back, um, you know, from 89 going forward, you know, I kind of see it as like an interesting time capsule to see like how, you know, film music, you know, as its own industry kind of went from this bombastic overture to like a more streamlined, you know, character pieces, I guess you could say, with The Dark Knight, you know, and I would argue that the Batman, you know, it's it feels more of a true theme than the Dark Knight score, but it's nowhere near as much of a power theme, you know, that we've seen before. But it seems like 
you know, if you look at it, like from a cultural standpoint, maybe we're moving back in the other direction. I don't know. What are your well, thoughts on that? Well, cause I think now granted, I, I thought this for the longest time was probably the best Batman theme until we got the Batman. But if you remember that, that movie, the dark Knight trilogy is way more rooted in realism. Um, that's depending on who you are. My personal opinion, I think Bane should have venom and I think he should, you know, be ridiculously <laughs> oversized. I think the Joker should not be wearing makeup. I think he should be just white and insane. And it's just, you know, that's my own take. You know, it's not very comic booky. It's more, you know, real. And to me, the Batman was a little bit more to me. I thought that was just a, a comic book volume come to life. And that's one of the reasons why I loved it so much. Um, there's a lot of elements from the comics right on screen. And that as a diehard fan and a guy who loves the comics goes, thank you. You know, my wife doesn't understand, you know, that the contact is from the new 52 court of owls, but I know it. And that means the world. Um, so the dark Knight, I think in terms of how they wrote that Hans Zimmer to me, he always, he writes very well. He is fantastic, but he is more focused on the journey of the movie. Um, he focuses more on the movie and plays it very well to the scenes. And how do you capture that feeling where Michael wrote to Batman, not to the Batman movie. And there's a big difference there. Um, and it's kind of whatever you like. So I think that Hans focuses on the emotions, the scenes, the visuals, which are more modern and a little bit more real. And that's why you have that. I mean, if to compare it to, to Batman V Superman, the theme is very much in that style. It's very much in how, um, I mean, that whole movie is kind of presented, you know, it's galloping and stuff and it brings in um, a lot of different elements to fit that more crash Batman. So I think for, for this one, uh, for the dark Knights theme, um, it's very well written. It's very much what Hans Zimmer does. If you look at some of his style and um, at times it's even uplifting too. And it does also have darker tones. Um, there's some horns in it, I believe. And, you know, all the while it's just, it's a more cool sounding modern tale of this movie rather than you could play this and you're like, that's Batman. There he is. You know? So I think, uh, I think that's why the Batman's a little bit more comic booky, but in a, modern way as well yeah good point yeah very good point you know and as you're talking about that too i'm thinking about other like Hans zimmer tracks i like and i really you know i think the one theme like if we're moving away from batman that was probably my favorite thing Hans zimmer scored for the dark knight trilogy was um two faces music you know in that scene where he has gordon's you know son hostage like that sequence that music in there is is such a it i i can't describe it in any other word than intense. Yeah. Yeah. Really. And especially too, if you've read the the black mirror, it makes it kind of like almost more intense. Cause you kind of know what that boy grows up to be in the Gordon household. Yeah. yeah. So you're just like, you're just like, Oh, like hey, when I saw it, I was like, is this how it starts? You're not going to do that. Are you please don't do that? Like, because that, that would be very scary. Also, that would have been a great villain in the, yeah. in the dark Knight show. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely, he's very good at the emotion and capturing that. Um, Dunkirk is another very easy example. He kind of takes yeah. a lot of very simple things of like playing the sevenths and he's just like, oh, tension, it's spooky the whole movie and you're nervous, might get bombed or might be a gunfight, you don't know. So I think it's uh, Hans Zimmer is very good at what Hans Zimmer does. True. Yeah, definitely very true. I, I mean, we've kind of been blessed to have great compositions all around. I think Batman deserves it. You know, I think, yeah. I think WB knows like we're not 
we can't gamble on this one. That one we have to get right. We can play with Black Adam. We can play with Shazam. But with with uh, Batman, we know that that's a popular one. Well, Pat, thanks for your time. Um, we'll bring this episode to a close. If anyone doesn't know what Pat was talking about with the son of Gordon, if you need to brush up on comics, <laughs> I would say Google James Gordon Jr. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you'll learn all you'll need to know. Um, but this has been the Batman Universe podcast. And please check out Wires Don't Talk. And with Pat Grimes on YouTube, the site, Instagram, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Hopefully you guys really enjoyed that uh, unique thing that we have yet. We we really haven't done here on the podcast. But like I said, we're going to be trying to set up more uh, different types of well, outside of the box, uh, different types of creators and content creators from outside the box of people who not only enjoy Batman, but also have unique perspective to add to the conversation of what we typically talk about here on the TBU podcast. Now, before we move on, um, I want to just quickly uh, throw a shout out to our editor. Uh, It's probably a little known fact, but our podcast itself is edited and uh, his name is Jay and he takes care of the podcast in a very quick fashion so that we can get these episodes out to you guys. And one of the things that Jay wanted to do was to get involved uh, by creating some different segments in the future for the podcast. So without further ado, this is the debut of a new segment. Um, This one we're going to be focusing on Unburied and giving an overall review of the actual Unburied um, podcast release. So uh, now I will throw over to Jay. If ever there were a medium that was perfectly designed for storytelling, the world of podcasts and podcasting would be it. As with its predecessor, the radio, podcasts are the perfect place to tell narrative stories, both fictional and real. In the early days of radio, some of the more popular stories that appeared in that medium centered around many of the comic book heroes we're still fascinated with today. Batman, Superman, and many others were mainstays in the early era of radio. When Clark Kent, who was really Superman, received an urgent phone call from Robin, the young companion of the famous Batman, he hurried to the handsome mansion which the dynamic duo occupy in their true identities of Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne. Kent found young Grayson greatly agitated. Just as Kent closed the door behind him, the youngster, choking back tears, exclaimed, Batman's gone, Mr. Kent, and... And I'm afraid we'll never see him again. So it's no surprise that as the medium of podcasts continue to boom, that Warner Brothers, now Warner Brothers Discovery, and DC would seek to place their prized IP on podcast platforms. Late last year, DC, Warner Brothers, and Spotify announced that David S. Goyer would executive produce Batman Unburied, an original narrative podcast that would serve as the tentpole for an entire slate of narrative podcasts featuring DC superheroes and villains. You mind giving us the room here, officer? You his doctor? I'm his father, Dr. Thomas Wayne. This is my wife, Martha. Bruce, obviously you can no longer be involved in this case. You are very protective about what's inside your mind, aren't you? On Tuesday, May 3rd, 
the first two episodes of Batman Unburied were released and almost immediately became one of Spotify's highest-rated podcasts. We're the same. We like the dead. We like the night. Starring Winston Duke as Bruce Wayne. The series would go on to release two episodes a week, every Wednesday, for a total of ten episodes. By the time episodes nine and ten, the final two episodes of the series dropped, Batman Unburied had unseated the Joe Rogan podcast as the number one podcast on that platform. Yet it wasn't by luck that Batman Unburied reached these heights. In audio-based storytelling, there's an expression that comes from the early days of radio. It's called theater of the mind. Audiobooks, radio, all of the best narrative podcasts lean heavily on the theater of the mind aspect of storytelling. Thank you. Did good work, sir. But I was not finished with this body. Batman Unburied does this perfectly. The sonic landscape is immersive. From the moment you begin listening to the podcast, you're pulled into the world. The sonic landscape in this podcast is as massive as any big budget film. You can tell that a great deal of money, time, care, and attention to detail went into creating the backdrop for the vocal performances. But you can have all the bells and whistles in the background. The impact of any story you're presenting, be it film, radio drama, or podcast drama, is only as strong as the performances delivered by the actors. What are your nightmares? I don't... I don't remember. It's dark. I'm alone. There are voices in the distance. What do they say? I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, let's start at the beginning. Childhood. The performances from everyone in the cast is top-notch. You would be hard-pressed to find a weak link or a weak performance in the entire cast. That's not to say that I didn't have my concerns. When you first encounter Bruce Wayne in Batman Unburied, you're thrown off by several things. First, by his choice of profession. Second, by the tone of his voice. It doesn't matter what iteration of Batman you're experiencing, the one thing that's almost always present is a certain level of confidence and authority in Bruce Wayne's voice. Even a broken Batman or a broken Bruce Wayne has never sounded like this. Yet as you're drawn further into the story, you realize that the out of place feeling you're experiencing and the unease with Bruce's voice that you're experiencing, that's all intentional. You're meant to feel this way in order to go on the sonic journey and to fully experience the theater of the mind effect. But this podcast is not perfect. Here are a few things that I take issue with when it comes to Batman Unburied. Batman Unburied, as with many recent Batman stories, does not seem to value the idea of the secret identity. At a, at a certain point, so many people know the secret that it's no longer a secret identity. What's the purpose of a secret identity? In this one story, this one podcast, not including his allies, there are a total of four people that end up knowing that Batman is Bruce Wayne, one of whom chooses to remain in Arkham even though he has this information that he could easily leverage to set himself free. In this podcast, my reaction to the Batman voice was the same as my reaction to Christian Bale's choice of a Batman voice. It was a little off-putting. Once I got used to it, it wasn't a distraction, but every time I step into that world, every time I step into the Nolan world, I have to once again get reacquainted and get comfortable with that choice of a voice. Only two great things, in my opinion, came out of Snyder's Batman. The warehouse fight scene and the use of a digital processor to disguise Batman's voice. It makes sense. 
Here's a billionaire that has every gadget known to man, has a contingency plan for every scenario, goes to great lengths to hide his identity, but chooses to apply no technology to mask his voice? I just think that in a medium that is sound-based, it's a missed opportunity. Any 13-year-old in his bedroom can alter a voice and make it sound interesting. Like this. There are so many things that could have been done with his voice. Instead, they just said, do what Christian Bale did. Finally, the last thing that I found a little troubling about Batman Unburied is this. There are elements of the animated series in this story. There are elements of the comics, obviously, in this story. There are also elements of other audio dramas in this story. You can find elements from early radio era Batman dramas in this story. But one story in particular that it seems to be heavily influenced by is Batman the Lazarus Syndrome. To celebrate the 50th anniversary of the popular comic book character Batman in 1989, Radio 4 broadcast a docudrama about America's most famous fictional vigilante. Now we return to the rooftops of Gotham City with another chance to hear this acclaimed portrayal of the Dark Knight, Batman, the Lazarus Syndrome. Did not ironic Batman, the greatest minds of our generation. And here we are, fighting like animals. Beats me. Listen to the Lazarus Syndrome in its entirety, so you'll see certain similarities. In the world of audio, you're not limited by anything. You can you can conjure up any kind of story. The fact that it leans so heavily on stories that came before it, it's a little disappointing. But overall, this is a great piece of work, a great way to launch the audio universe of Batman and DC. I look forward to more. For the Batman Universe Podcast, I'm Jay Ozoria. All right, and that was some good stuff from Jay. Again, we are going to be trying to kind of experiment with a variety of different things uh, to keep the podcast fresh and to have a bunch of different things to talk about. So that might mean more segments in the future. That might mean more content creators uh, coming on board to discuss different things. So we have a lot of different things that we have planned here in the coming weeks and months, and uh, hopefully you guys will be along for the ride. So with all that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TBU Podcast. If you are interested in all kinds of content related to movies, television, video games, merchandise, comics, and everything else related to the Bat fandom, be sure to check out our website, thebatmanuniverse.net, for all kinds of news, original content, comic reviews, other types of reviews, and other podcasts that uh, we have to offer. In addition to that, you can follow us on social media and Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we are we have a Discord. We also have a Facebook group. Uh, all kinds of different social ways to get in touch with us and the other staff members over at TBU. Uh, you can find all of our social links at the top of the page over at thebatmanuniverse.net. You can send us an email at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or you're a content creator who'd like to, uh, you know, be a guest on our show and discuss some sort of facet related to Batman. We're always interested in, in, uh, hearing ideas of what you guys would like to hear and see over at TBU. 
outside of that, uh, that is everything. So uh, thank you to Pat Grimes for joining us, joining Scott, that is, um, on this episode. Again, all of the links to his content can be found in the description. And uh, thank you to Scott for uh, putting together that interview and uh, making it something really unique. And then also thank you to Jay for not only editing all of our podcasts, but also taking care of that awesome segment related to Batman Unburied. So with all that being said, thank you, and we will see you guys next time.